How's it going, everybody? Welcome into this mid-April edition of the Cyclone Scoop. I'm Alex Halstead here, sitting here at 74 degrees outside, and Iowa State men's basketball has already reached the offseason. Iowa State football is about to reach the offseason as they wrap up spring ball here in the coming days. And the offseason for both programs means there's going to be plenty of recruiting. That's a big part of my job over at 24-7 Sports, and I think this is the perfect time to dive into some of that recruiting. And so I thought, what better way to go through recruiting on both sides of the of the coin, Steve Perlman, his staff, Matt Campbell and his staff, than to ask for questions. So I put out a call for action to all you listeners and, I guess, readers over on Twitter and CycloneAlert.com, and I got 20-plus questions back, and I thought this would be perfect way to go through it to answer the questions that are out there. And I think the questions that I rounded up I've tried to put kind of an orderly fashion, um, sort of by basketball and football, and I'll go through them in that order to keep it nice and straight. Uh, but I thought the questions touched on a lot of different topics that are kind of at the heart and the center of the recruiting efforts for both Steve Prohm and Matt Campbell right now. So I think this is going to be the perfect way to go through what's going on in the recruiting trail. Um, on recent episodes of the Cyclone Scoop, we've uh, we've dove into other topics. I, I was joined in the last episode by Iowa State Athletics Director Jamie Pollard. Before that, it was spring football talk, and before that, it was March Madness. And so there's not been a lot of recruiting in a little while, and I thought this would be the perfect way to get everybody up to speed on what's going on, both on the hardwood and on the gridiron in terms of recruiting, um, because recruiting is really going to pick up here in the weeks ahead. You look at April, and that's going to be a time for uh, Iowa State uh, basketball to get out and start their spring evaluation period. That will go into the summer. Visits are going to start to happen. And so for both basketball and football, uh, a lot is going to happen in April, May, and June in terms of visits and evaluations. And so this is kind of getting into the heart of recruiting, and this is the perfect time to take a step back and kind of look at things broadly and how everything's going. So instead of me rambling on here, which I think there's going to be plenty of me rambling as I answer these questions, but um, let's just get into those questions and let's start with one general recruiting question that I did get from Tim Hansen over on the board at CycloneAlert.com. Tim wants to know, how has recruiting changed since you started this career? And I thought that was the perfect way to start this podcast because recruiting has changed a lot since I started covering it back in 2014. Uh, we're going on five years since I've started covering recruiting, first at Scout and now at 24-7 Sports. And recruiting has changed quite a bit. Obviously, it's changed a lot for these coaching staffs. Uh, you've seen the early signing period come into play in football. You've seen official visits get moved up. You've seen camps get a little bit more regulated. Uh, different rules have come into play that have affected things. Obviously, the advance of social media has played a role, um, I think, in the recruiting efforts by staffs. So there's been a lot that has happened on that side of things. But this question mentioned, how, is this, has, how has it changed since my career started? And so it's also changed how I've covered recruiting in the, in the last five years in, in really two major ways. The first is social media. I came across an old tweet recently from I think it was the 2015 recruiting class uh, that had Bryce Meeker and Julian Good-Jones and some of those guys. And I came across a tweet where I reported that somebody committed. And I think it had like a couple of likes and a couple of retweets. And there just wasn't a whole lot of engagement. And you compare that to now where over the weekend, Iowa State picked up a commitment from Emporia, Kansas offensive lineman Hayden Pauls in its 2020 recruiting class. And Pauls' tweet announcing his commitment had 1,000 likes. And so you've just seen the... Uh, the advancement of social media really impact how this happens. And it's obviously changed, you know, the excitement or the, the um, engagement around recruiting, but also it's changed how recruiting unfolds. As I mentioned back then, I think I was breaking a commitment 
that used to be kind of the traditional things. You would see media uh, break commitments a lot more. Now you're almost always seeing a kid announce his commitment on social media, sometimes Instagram, mostly on Twitter. And so that has really changed my job quite a bit. It's not so much about breaking a commitment as now coverage for recruiting. It's about the lead up to that commitment. Where are those kids visiting? Which way are they leaning? Who's making their final cut? When might a decision be made? Uh, those are the questions that you're trying to answer through recruiting coverage now, going in depth with players and coaches, more analysis. That's kind of been become the heart of, of recruiting coverage more so than breaking a commitment. So social media has changed a lot in, in my job and a lot in recruiting. And the second thing is just the breadth of coverage. Um, you used to you know, really focus on one recruiting class. I think my first recruiting class was the 2015 recruiting class. And when I was covering that, that was almost the, the sole focus was who, who's being targeted, who's committing, and that sort of thing. Now you're kind of focusing on a couple of classes at once. Right now I'm covering the 2020 recruiting cycle for football, and Iowa State's got five commitments right now in that recruiting class. But they've already got a commitment in the 2021 recruiting class. They've got eight state offers out for 2021. And so while I'm covering the 2020 recruiting class, and that's kind of my, my main focus, you also have to kind of have an eye forward now on the 2021 recruiting class, and it won't be too long before 2022 starts to pop up with offers. So recruiting is really sped up where it's almost probably six months to a year ahead of where it used to be when I first started covering recruiting. I think it's about as fast as it's going to go, but it is a lot faster paced now where you're not really focused on just one recruiting class now, you're focused on a couple. So that's really the main ways that recruiting has changed since I started. I think that was a a good way to start this because it kind of goes into this podcast. A lot of listeners right now, some of you are probably the diehard fan that wants to know every single step that a recruit is taking on his way to a commitment. And some are more, maybe a bit more casual who just wants to know when a kid commits or who Iowa State's kind of in the running for. And so I'm going to go through these questions, first basketball and then football, and hopefully these kind of give both fans a little bit of insight, whether you're the diehard fan that wants to know all that stuff or you're just a casual fan that kind of wants to know what's going on. I'll try to keep it interesting uh, for both sides. So let's start on the basketball side. And the first question comes from Crazy Rob on Twitter. He wants to know any names of possible grad transfers we are in on. If so, how serious are they about paying a visit to Iowa State? Um, that's a good question because this is kind of the heart of the transfer season. I think I saw today there are now 683 players in the transfer portal for men's basketball. That's a lot of transfers out there. Some of them are immediately eligible as grad transfers. Some of them are sit-out transfers. And Iowa State embarks on this spring recruiting period with three open scholarships. Cameron Lard is gone. That's one scholarship. And likely there's going to be two more with the NBA declarations from Taylor Horton Tucker and Lindell Wigington. So Iowa State most likely, assuming those guys stay in the draft as expected, is going to have three scholarships to work with. And so far they've kind of been in all three prongs. They've looked at high school guys, they've looked at sit-out transfers, and they've looked at graduate transfers. Now, the question is, you know, any possible grad transfer names, there are not a lot of names right now. The one name I can mention is Rajon Tucker from Arkansas Little Rock. He's a 6'5 guard who averaged 20 points and almost seven rebounds per game last year. Um, I had heard in this early part of the spring that Steve Pearl may have gone down to Arkansas Little Rock to see him. Uh, there's interest on both sides. But Rajon Tucker recently declared for the NBA draft. Now, he's visited West Virginia, and it sounds like he's probably going to visit Auburn and Memphis coming up. Iowa State is still mentioned as a school that's in that picture. So he has declared for the draft. Iowa State has not gotten one of what are likely to be his first three visits. 
but he's still mentioning to our Evan Daniels at 24-7 Sports, Iowa State, North Carolina, South Carolina, Kansas, and Arkansas, in addition to those schools I mentioned. So Iowa State's still getting mentioned, but I think it's an extreme long shot for them. Uh, he could even you know, end up in the NBA if that's the route he goes. So he's been the one name. There's been a couple other grad transfers that have been out there and been named, but a lot of them have ended up at other schools or we've really not seen their names surface. So I do think Iowa State's going to be involved with grad transfers, but right now they have not really been heavily involved. I think we're going to start to see more names start to trickle out here in the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye out for grad transfers. But so far, most of the work has been on sit-out transfers and high school prospects. I've heard a couple names and confirmed them myself of sit-out transfers that Iowa State has been in contact with. Both of them are guards slash wings. Um, one is Javon Johnson from Troy. He averaged 10 points and four rebounds last year. He has to sit out one year to play two years. And the other is Eric Williams Jr. from Duquesne. He averaged 14 points and 7.6 rebounds per game last year. Same situation. He has to sit out one year to play two years. So Johnson so far told me he's going to visit Iowa State from May 2nd through 4th or right around there. Eric Williams Jr. has scheduled some visits, but so far not with Iowa State. So it's looking like Iowa State does probably want a grad transfer if they're the right fit. They're after a couple of sit-out transfers. And that leads into the next question, which is high school uh, prospects. And this question comes from Stereotype1 on the message board. Wants to know any indication on who the staff favors between Caleb Grill and Clarence Nadolny. Who do you see as the most likely option between the two? So Caleb Grill and Clarence Nadolny are the high school targets primarily right now. And um, I don't know if Iowa State necessarily favors one over one over the other. Now, they have been after Clarence Nadolny much longer period. Uh, Steve Prohm went in to see him back in the winter. Iowa State offered in February was one of his first offers. Steve Prohm has been in to see Nadolny, who's a French guard at six foot three. He's been in to see him in February, March, most recently over the weekend in April. And they made his final cut with Texas Tech in West Virginia. And he's going to take his visits coming up. Uh, he's going to go to West Virginia on April 18th, Iowa State on April 20th, and Texas Tech on April 22nd, and then make a decision. Caleb Grill is a little bit different. He's also 6'3". He's from the Wichita, Kansas area. But Iowa State couldn't be on him as long because he had been committed and then signed with TJ Altselberger in South Dakota State late last year. And he's been locked up, so there was really no recruitment opportunity for Iowa State. When TJ Altselberger went to UNLV, Caleb Grill became available, got out of his letter of intent, took visits that next week to Kansas State, Iowa State, and Creighton. All three offered him. And so that's really a race right now between Iowa State, Kansas State, Creighton, and now UNLV has entered the picture with Altsburger offering there. So really four schools there. And so I don't think it's really a, a matter of if Iowa State favors one or the other because the, the timing has just been different. I think they like both players. With that said, they're probably going to know on Clarence Nadolny first. Like I said, Nadolny's got visits coming up to West Virginia, Iowa State and Texas Tech in that order. Uh, that Texas Tech visit should get over around April 24th, and then he's probably going to make a decision shortly after. Caleb Grill has scheduled two visits so far. He'll go to Kansas State on April 22nd and Iowa State on April 29th. And so he could then after that go to UNLV, it sounds like, in early May. That's still TBD. If that happens, his decision's not coming until early May at the earliest, um, whereas Clarence Nadolny will probably come by the end of April. And so Iowa State should know on Clarence Nadolny before they know on Caleb Grill. 
And uh, that's really how it's going to play out more so than I think if Iowa State favors one. Now, there is one new name to keep an eye out on, and that's Severe Wheeler. Um, 24-7 Sports' is, uh, Jerry Myers says that Wheeler is going to go to Georgia this upcoming weekend and then sometime next week during the week. Um, so the week of, I think, April 22nd that week, sometime during the week, uh, Wheeler is going to be at Iowa State. Right now it looks like Georgia, Iowa State, and Texas A&M for Wheeler. Uh, he's more of a true point guard. He's five foot eight, a little bit undersized, but he's the number 93 overall player in the country according to the 24-7 sports composite. He's a kid that was committed to Billy Kennedy in Texas A&M, but when Billy Kennedy got fired, he asked out of his letter of intent, and now he's back on the market. So Iowa State is in on that, on that prospect as well. That gives them three high school prospects right now. And so, as I mentioned, there's a lot going on right now. Uh, but, you know, those are kind of the names to know right now. There's a potential that Iowa State could get a high school prospect, a sit-out transfer, and then we'll see if that grad transfer market starts to move a little bit in Iowa State's direction here in the weeks ahead. But they've got three open scholarships, and you could see them go a variety of ways with those scholarships. The last basketball question is actually not recruiting-related. It's from Tyler on Twitter at Tyler D. Rich. It's six known games on the 2019-20 basketball schedule, three in the battle for Atlantis, Iowa, Seton Hall, and a to-be-determined SEC opponent in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. The question is, any guesses on how the rest of the schedule will line up? Will it likely be low in mid-majors? I have not heard a ton on who this, these, these final opponents are going to be, but I have heard some buzz that Iowa State is probably – going to have another high major type opponent, whether that's a power five slash power six school. Um, you know, it sounds like Iowa State's probably going to schedule another one. When you look at what they have scheduled right now, they're going to get three high, high major games at the Battle for Atlantis, which is a really good field this year. They are going to have Iowa, Seton Hall, and an SEC opponent. That's three, four, five, six games that are already known as high major type games. And so that leaves Iowa State with, I think, seven more um, non-conference games. And of those not, seven remaining non-conference games, I, there has been some buzz that one more will be a high major. Now, that could be a home-and-home. Home. Iowa State in recent years has had home-and-homes with Cincinnati and then Missouri. It could be something like that that they're working on, or it could be something at a neutral site. There's been some buzz about both of those things. And so I do expect one more game to be forthcoming eventually, with a pretty good opponent for Iowa State. And then you look at those, you know, that would give them, I think, seven high major games. And then you look at those last five or so, those last five or six are likely going to be mid to low majors. In recent years, Iowa State has tried to fill out the schedule with um, Midwest mid to low majors. And that means directional schools, whether it's North Dakota State or a directional school in Michigan or Illinois or, or what have you. So I do think there's going to be another pretty good opponent on that schedule. They already have a pretty decent schedule the way it is, but then I think the rest, the last five or six games are going to be filled out with low to mid majors along the lines of a North Dakota State who actually did make the tournament last year. So so that's all the, all the basketball questions. Let's move on to football here. And actually I got more football questions than basketball questions, which a little bit surprised about you know, given where the basketball recruiting is right now. But I think a lot of interest in football recruiting right now is Matt Campbell's put together a couple good recruiting classes in a row. So the first football question comes from Ward Phillips uh, on Twitter. He wants to know, what type of offensive linemen are we getting to commit compared to the pre-Campbell era? 
this is a good question in the sense that you've really begun to now, I think Iowa State's going into its fifth recruiting class under Matt Campbell, and you've really begun to figure out a prototype that they're looking at. You look at receiver, they've got some of these long receivers that kind of fit the mold of a Hakeem Butler. A lot of their defensive linemen, especially their defensive ends, are these long, lanky, long wingspan, athletic, quick twitch guys off the edge, um, like a Corey Settle in the last recruiting class. You're starting to see a prototype, and you've seen that prototype on the offensive line, which is this question. Iowa State just landed a commitment from Hayden Pauls in Kansas. He's 6'4", 265, and he's actually probably one of the smaller linemen Iowa State's gotten today in terms of weight. Um, 265 is not small, and he's going to be an early enrollee. And so by the time he gets to his true freshman year, he's going to be 275-plus, and he's going to be uh, a really good-sized offensive lineman. But you look at this last recruiting class, and I think it sums up you know, what Matt Campbell is looking, looking for in recruiting. Uh, in the 2019 recruiting class, Iowa State signed four offensive linemen, Jared Hufford at 6'5", 300, Grant Triber at 6'6", 295, Jake Remsburg at 6'6", 305, and Daryl Simmons at 6'3", 295. And so you look at the four linemen that Iowa State signed in the 2019 recruiting class, and they were between 295 and 305 pounds, all of them. And so that's kind of what, what you're going to get. One, one little phrase I've heard in covering uh, recruiting here um, around Iowa State and Matt Campbell's staff is big guys beat little guys. And uh, it's pretty simple. You know, they want to bring in guys that are bigger right off the bat. That was one thing with, with Paul Rhodes, and it's, this is the biggest difference getting to the question. Paul Rhodes did bring in some big guys. You know, there were, I, I looked back at his recruiting classes, and there were some that were like 325. There were certainly many that were around that 290 range. But there were a lot, especially in the early years, that were between 250 and 265 pounds uh, when they arrived at Iowa State. And Iowa State had to put on 40-plus pounds on some of these guys. And I'm not saying it's correlated, but you saw a few more knee and back-related issues with guys back then. Campbell's going for these bigger-framed, long-armed guys, but especially for guys who are already kind of built up and have that good foundation behind them. Now when some of these 295 to 305-pound guys come in, like this 2019 recruiting class, Iowa State's not putting a ton of weight on them. They're redefining that weight. They're changing that weight into muscle. They're making them a little bit more sculpted through the first few years on campus. And it's not so much about putting on 40 pounds, which is not easy to do, and it can sometimes lead to, I think, some other issues. So that's been the biggest change I've seen so far. It's just these guys are coming in bigger right off the bat. So... The next question comes from CW99 on the message board at cyclonealert.com. Wants to know, any chance Aiden Bowman's eyes start to drift with other offers coming in? Aiden Bowman is Iowa State's quarterback commit in 2020. He's six foot five, 200 pounds, had a really, really good senior year, or I'm sorry, junior year last year. Threw for almost 3,000 yards, 35 touchdowns to six interceptions. His dad is uh, former NFL quarterback Todd Bowman, who spent 10-plus years in the NFL played for the Minnesota Vikings, Jacksonville Jaguars. He coaches him, so he's getting taught by a great teacher who's been there. And uh, Bowman is right now the number 12 overall pro-style quarterback in the country, according to 24-7 Sports. And so that's who he is. And so far, he has not reported any other offers. He committed to Iowa State last June. He's been committed for going on 10 months and soon to be a year this summer. And so he's been committed for a long time. He has drawn other interest. Tennessee has shown interest. Some other Power Fives have shown interest. But so far, he's been pretty solid. And so it's hard to say what Iowa State, you know, would do if, if something happened there or that Bowman's looking around because I don't think he's necessarily actively looking around. 
He's been pretty solidly committed, like I said, for going on a year this June. The thing with Bowman was he didn't really love recruiting. He didn't like the he didn't get caught up in the trying to get a ton of offers. If he wanted to, he could have gone through his junior year being uncommitted and racked up a ton of power five offers, I think. And he didn't do that. He his family wanted to find two things. One, a coaching staff that they that they thought they fit, and two, a system that they thought Aiden Bowman fit into. They camped with Iowa State twice last summer. They liked Matt Campbell, so that checked off the first box. They liked the Iowa State system, that checked off the second box, and he committed and was done. He could have went to more camps. He could have played through his year. He didn't do that because it wasn't about recruiting for him. He just wanted to find those two things, and he found them at Iowa State. So I don't think he's actively looking around. Um, I think other schools have actively looked at him, but he's been pretty solid. And so right now I don't think his eyes are starting to shift at all. He's going to get evaluated down in Nashville. He's going to go to the Nike opening camp down there. So 24-7 sports analysts will get to see him a little bit closer. You never know if more offers might come in. You know, schools will continue to offer. We've seen that with different prospects under Matt Campbell. But Bowman's been pretty solid. He was just at Iowa State again for a spring practice in April. And um, right now I don't think that's a big concern. But uh, it is worth watching his recruitment as he goes forward because he is a, a really good prospect that I think – is much, 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 much better than just a one power five offer guy. But he's been committed so long that a lot of schools have not at least publicly um, made a push for him. That does lead into this question pretty well. That's from Thompson for ISU and uh, wants to know, the big recruiting question for Alex is how many times in this cycle will you be asked about Chubba Purdy over under 80? So far I'm under at 80, but I have got asked about Chubba Purdy quite a bit. I've actually been asked about him on the radio uh, in an interview I did, I've been asked about him on the board. I've been tweeted at. People do want to know about Chubba Purdy. Uh, Chubba is obviously the brother of Iowa State quarterback Brock Purdy, uh, and he's also quarterback, and he's also in his 2020 recruiting class. You know, Chubba's actually bigger than Brock. He's six foot two, 200 pounds, coming out of high school. And a lot of the intrigue with him has come recently because he started to, A, draw Power 5 offers. He's now got offers from Colorado, Louisville, Kansas, and Kansas State. And B, he's been rated pretty well early. 24-7 sports has him as uh, the number seven dual threat quarterback in the country. So he's got good offers. He's got a good rating. And people want to know if he fits in Iowa State's plans. Right now, there would be only two ways I could see him fitting into Iowa State's plans. One is if something happened with Bowman, which Iowa State hopes doesn't happen because they really, really like Aiden Bowman. You know, Matt Campbell really likes Bowman. The staff really likes him. And so that's who they want to be in this class. The second way for Purdy to make sense in the class would be if Iowa State needed to take two quarterbacks. And that's not something I'll rule out because when you look at the roster right now, they've got four quarterbacks going into 2019. One of those is a senior in John Kohler. Well, he'll be replaced by Aiden Bowman, so they'll have four quarterbacks in the 2020 recruiting class. If Iowa State wanted to go to five quarterbacks in 2020, which sometimes happens for programs, some programs do carry five quarterbacks, then Chubba Purdy would make some sense. But right now, Iowa State's got its quarterback in Aiden Bowman. And so unless they went to two quarterbacks in this 2020 recruiting class, um, there is no offer for Chubba Purdy right now. I do think Iowa State likes him. I th you know, they've obviously got a relationship with him. You know, he's been to games several times. He was at the Alamo Bowl, actually got uh, onto ESPN. They found him and his family in the crowd. And so um, I think he's a good prospect, um, has some good Power 5 offers right now. Uh, but right now, there's just not much to report there because Iowa State's got a quarterback in Aiden Bowman. And uh, Purdy right now does not have an offer from Iowa State. But I'll never rule it out, never say never in recruiting because um, anything can happen. I've, I've learned to never 100% rule anything out in covering recruiting. But right now it's under 80, but I'm 
Sure, it could tick up towards me getting asked about Chubba Purdy 80 times if he doesn't make a commitment sometime by the summer. The next question is from Size the Guy wants to know, and I actually got this question multiple times, but I picked this one out um, to answer it. So I got it probably two or three times, but I'll just I'll just ask I'll just read the one question. It's how many defensive tackles do you see Iowa State taking this year? It seems like that will be light after Ray Lima and Jamal Johnson leave. Do you think we will look at any JUCO defensive tackles? And this is another good question because that is maybe the most critical spot for Iowa State recruiting this year is the defensive line in general. Eli Rashid, Iowa State's defensive line coach, said recently that this is the most critical recruiting class on the defensive line since Matt Campbell and his staff arrived at Iowa State. And for good reason. Iowa State probably loses four of its top seven or eight defensive linemen after the 2019 season. They lose defensive ends Jaquan Bailey and Matt Leo. And on the interior, they lose their top two defensive tackles in Jamal Johnson and Ray Lima. So they lose four um, guys off that defensive line. And so it's, it's an important recruiting class for the whole defensive line. But I think the defensive tackle position in particular, because people don't know as much about what comes after Ray Lima and Jamal Johnson. So the first part of that question is how many defensive tackles do I see them taking this year? They're for sure going to take a solid one. They're going to for sure take one that they really like. You know, they have to really like this guy because it's going to be a guy that's got to work out for them. So I think they'll for sure take a solid defensive tackle. And then I think it's possible they take two. And that kind of goes into the second question is, will they look at any JUCO defensive tackles? And that's where I could see them potentially taking two defensive tackles. Um, right now, the kid I would watch in the, at the high school level is Willis Singleton out of Illinois. He's been to Iowa State a couple times. It's you know Iowa State, Louisville, Illinois, Cincinnati. Um, and then there's some other Power 5 schools showing interest. Iowa State's right near the top of his list probably with Illinois. I think he's really worth keeping an eye on because he really likes Iowa State and they really like him. He would be the high school guy. But Iowa State actually, right before I started recording this Q&A podcast, uh, put, off, put out a JUCO defensive tackle offer to Quay Mays at a Mississippi JUCO. And so that's their first JUCO defensive tackle offer that I can think of off the top of my head. And I think that's going to be a direction we see them go potentially this spring. Iowa State, after spring ball, is going to get out and recruit in the spring evaluation period. That means they'll go to junior colleges and watch spring ball there. And I think we could see more JUCO offers go out uh, across the board, but defensive tackle is going to be a spot. So I do think they could take a defensive tackle uh, in terms of a JUCO, but there's not a lot of names right now. But I for sure think they got to get a solid high school guy and Willis Singleton from um, from Illinois is uh, one name to keep an eye on here in the early going. So that leads to another question, and that comes from KLT on Twitter. Wants to know, 2020 Iowa State football commit target you expect to make the biggest ratings jump? Um, this is a tough question because we're still pretty early in the ratings process. Ratings will really, I think there's two jump periods that could come. One is summer camps. Kids get in front of uh, analysts, and sometimes they can make big jumps there. And the second is after a few games of their senior year, sometimes you see them make the jump from their junior film to their senior film, and that's another possible area for a kid to jump. And so we're still a little bit ahead of that. But the two kids I would say in the commits of the five commits would be safety Craig McDonald up from Minnesota. I think he could still make a jump. And Tyler Miller an offensive lineman from uh, right here in the state of Iowa, I think he could make a jump. Now, both of those guys are already 85-plus, 24-7 um, sports composite, so they're solid three-stars, above a mid-three-star. And so I think both players are already solidly rated, 
but I've heard good things about both of them. And so I think from that standpoint, it wouldn't be shocking for me to see them impress evaluators and still get a ratings bump. Uh, there's probably two targets that I would mention that I think could get significant jumps that maybe aren't highly rated right now, but they're, they could still make jumps. Now, these kids aren't committed yet, but one of them is Willis Singleton, who I just mentioned. His 24-7 sports composite right now is only an 8-2-6-6, but uh, he's camped really well at places, and so I think he could make a jump once he gets in front of more people. The other is Hunter Zenzen, uh, linebacker out of Minnesota. Iowa State's his only Power 5 offer. His other offers are FCS offers. But he's 6'3", 215 as a linebacker. That's the exact frame and weight as Mike Rose coming out of high school. Now, I'm not saying he is Mike Rose, but I'm just saying he's got the same type of body as Mike Rose. Iowa State has really liked him early. Minnesota's really lurking. They're trying to figure out if he's a defensive end or linebacker. He's only an 8165 in the composite right now, so a low three-star. But for that reason, I think he could make a jump because I think he's the type of body that once he shows his skill set in front of evaluators, uh, that they might be impressed with what he can do if he if he performs well. So those two guys I could see both making jumps in terms of uncommitted guys. Um, John Kever on the board. It's John K-E-V-R. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. Wants to know any committed guy that keeps showing up is a guy that is reaching out to influence other 2020 prospects. Uh, this is a good question because um, recruiting does go beyond the coaching staff. Um, there's actually probably three different key key components to recruiting. One is the coaching staff. They've got to get a kid's attention, and that's kind of Matt Campbell and his staff's job is to try to catch their attention with their vision. They've actually done that quite well so far. The second component to recruiting is a lot of times players on the team. You look at Hayden Paul, who's committed over the weekend. His last visit at Iowa State was an overnight visit that he spent with uh, Brees Hall and Easton Dean, two other Kansas prospects who – our early enrollees from the 2019 class, he really liked you know spending that spending that time with them and talking to people who are from similar situations to him down in Kansas. Um, Hunter Zenzen, who I actually just mentioned, his recent visit, he spent an overnight visit with Mike Rose. So you know that's a key component is you know getting around and hearing from the people who are already playing for Matt Campbell and his staff because those guys can tell these kids uh, what it's actually like. So those are two key components to recruiting. Uh, but the third component to recruiting is a lot of times the other commits getting other prospects to join them. In 2019, Jake Remsburg played a pretty big role in, re in the recruiting process for Iowa State. He was the first commit in the class. He's from West Des Moines, so he was in Ames a lot, uh, you know, for a lot of these different visits around these p prospects. And he was an important part of Iowa State's recruiting efforts. There's always a kind of a couple of kids in every class who play a role. And so back to the question of any 2020 prospects doing that, I think Craig McDonald, the safety I mentioned from Minnesota, is starting to do that. He's got a linebacker um, teammate who Iowa State really wants, and he's been tweeting at him. He's been visiting with him a couple times, um, and now he's starting to like kind of quote tweet other commits and welcoming them to the class. So I think Craig McDonald's been that guy. And Aiden Bowman, I think sometimes the quarterback becomes that guy by default because the quarterback can be a face of a class sometimes. They're oftentimes one of the earlier commits, uh, as Bowman was in this class, the first commit. And uh, they kind of play a big role in trying to get other players to join them, whether that's offensive linemen, receivers, or even sometimes guys on the defensive side. So those are two guys early that are doing that. Mark Degner on Twitter wants to know, if I want to predict who the highest rated 2020 football recruit in the class will be, 
or in other words, who are the highest ranked recruits we have a legitimate shot at. This is a tough one, kind of going back to the point of, I think there's a lot of ratings work that's still going to happen, and so guys can really shuffle. If the highest rated player is a prospect that's already committed, I would probably say Hayden Pauls or Aiden Bowman. Hayden Pauls right now is an 87-plus composite, and he is the highest rated commit in the class. Aiden Bowman's right behind him, I think, is an 86-plus composite. And so those two are the highest rated right now, and they're both players that I could still see taking jumps. Paul's had really good offers from Nebraska, Iowa, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, uh, Kansas, Minnesota, Purdue. He had really good offers. He's already rated well. But I think if he gets in front of people or his senior film really flashes, he could still take another jump. And I think the same thing for Bowman. Bowman's already the number 12 pro-style quarterback in the 2020 recruiting class. Well, if he goes down to Nashville and our analysts at 24-7 see him and he really flashes as, a, as one of the top quarterbacks there, he could still take another jump. So I could see the top-rated player in this class being Hayden Pauls or Aiden Bowman if they take jumps because I think Iowa State can still get a higher-rated player in terms of composite. But if they get their big fish in this class, it will not be either of those guys. It will be Caden Johnson, the linebacker from Minneapolis, Minnesota. He's a top 247 linebacker in the country right now. He's the number 104 overall player in the country. His 24-7 sports composite is 9413. If Caden Johnson joins Craig McDonald in this class, who that's his teammate at Minnehaha Academy in Minneapolis, if he joins him in this class, he will be Iowa State's highest, second highest rated commit ever behind only Al Lazard. And so he would be the top rated commit without a doubt in this class. And that question was like, who do they have a legitimate shot at to be the highest rated? He would be the guy. I think they do have a legit shot at him. Schools like Iowa and Wisconsin and Minnesota, Michigan State, a ton of Pac-12 schools are in the mix. But he's visited for two of Iowa State's 15 spring practices. And so I, I'm willing to say he's a legitimate target and with legitimate chance to get him. I just think that recruitment's wide open, but he would without a doubt be the highest rated prospect in that class if Iowa State gets him. That actually leads to this question as well. Um, and I got this one twice, but I'll just read one of them from Clone Teach on the board. It seems like Iowa State likes to get their work done early a lot of the time and save a few spots for the big-time recruits if they were to commit later in the process. Who are some of the big-time guys in 2020 that the staff is in on and has a legit chance with that they would save a spot for? There are always guys in a, in a recruiting class who you'll take no matter what. Joseph Skates a couple classes ago was one of those guys that Iowa State wanted Joseph Skates and they were willing to find room for him at the end of that class no matter what. I think that's going to pay dividends because I think he's or I think he's starting to show flashes in practice. But there's always guys like that. Caden Johnson would probably be the guy in this class that I would say, you know, he could commit next February and or yeah, right before signing day and they would find room. You know, he's that level of prospect where you find room for Caden Johnson. Um, he's probably the main guy I would say that about um you know, Xavier Watts from Omaha would be another, although I think Watts is leaning towards Nebraska pretty heavily right now. But he's another guy like that. I think he's a, a four-star receiver that you would just save room for. So there are always a couple of guys like that. I think we'll have a better idea of which guys are like that in May and June. Right now, it's still kind of fleshing itself out in terms of the recruiting board. But by the time we get to the summer, you know, I think I'll have a pretty good idea and we'll all have a pretty good idea of who Iowa State's really making a push for at most of these positions, and at that point we'll kind of know, okay, Iowa State would wait till December and still have room for this guy no matter what. But I could tell you right now that Keaton Johnson would be one of those guys. I think Blaze Gunnarsson, a defensive end from Carroll, Iowa, would be another guy. 
I just don't think it's going to take him that long to make a decision. I think he's going to make a decision by the summer at the very least. And so I think, you know, Iowa State really wants him. I think it's probably right now between them and Nebraska for him. Um, I just don't think it's going to take until December. He wants to for sure decide before his senior season, and he's probably between those two schools the most right now. And so he's getting closer to a decision, so I don't think it fits that question that I was asked of who would they save room for. Of course they would save room for him. I just don't think they're going to have to wait that long to know if he wants to go to Iowa State. John from a, the board again has another question. It says, how is Iowa State replacing Taylor Willem? Do they have any data that suggests those custom photos and things actually improve recruiting engagement? Taylor Willem was Iowa State's director of creative. I don't know exactly, exactly what the title is now off the top of my head. But basically, he was a guy that made the graphics and took the photos for social media so and recruits. That, that was a big part of the job is recruits. Um, he has left the program and to take a similar job with Pittsburgh football. And um, so he's no longer with the program. They have not replaced him yet, but they will replace him. They are hiring. So if, if you are a creative person who is really good at design, then you can probably find that application somewhere online. Iowa State is hiring for that job. And I don't know if there's much data on, on what it's meant, but I do know they think it's really important from the top down. When I talked to Jimmy Pollard on the last edition of the Cyclone Scoop, he brought up kind of that job in the sense that he said Matt Campbell and his staff have done a really good job of recruiting with social media and branding. And so Iowa State th thinks it's really important. I think the branding is the biggest thing. You look at Instagram now, and that's where all the kids are these days. And I think they've got like 20,000 followers almost on their Instagram account. It might be above that. But they've really developed the branding aspect of it on social media. And I think a big part of it is that job. That's how they view that job. And they will continue to have someone in that role. They just don't have one right now. Although I think they have some people helping out in the interim. So two more questions and then we'll wrap up here. And one of them comes from CW99 again on the board asking the rules might have changed, but a few years ago, Iowa State co-hosted camps in Michigan and Texas, among other places. Do they still do this? Can they still do this if they're not co-hosting or are they still attending camps in St. Louis and other places? They do do some camps still. Um, obviously, they have their own camps on campus that probably about three recruiting camps a summer on campus, but they still do go places. Now, the rules have changed. I'm not exactly sure all the ins and outs of each of those rules, but Iowa State does still go to satellite camps with other schools. I don't know if they necessarily quote-unquote co-host them, but they're there with other coaches. One of the big ones last summer, and I think it will be a big one this summer again, is Lindenwood near St. Louis. That's where Iowa State um, saw Daryl Simmons, the offensive lineman, for the first time. They really liked him, invited him to their camp. Then they offered. Now he's committed, signed, and will be here in June. Those camps do work. That's, that's how they do see some guys. And so they still do them, mostly in the St. Louis area and the Chicago area. And I think they sometimes get up to Michigan or down to Texas. So they do still do them. They're not as frequent as maybe they were three, four years ago, which kind of goes back to the first question of how recruiting has changed. Camps have really changed. But they do still go out to some of the big Midwest satellite camps, and they are a big part of their recruiting efforts. Um, and I think they'll be down to the St. Louis area again this summer. So that leads to the last question. And it's from John on the board again and wants to know, how do you think the staff would grade their first recruiting class now that a few years have gone by? And I thought this was a really good question to end because it kind of takes us full circle. We're talking about different recruiting questions, and uh, it's now kind of retrospective of how Iowa State looks back at that 2016 recruiting class, which they put together in 60 days. How would they grade it? 
uh, I would say they would grade it really well, especially when you consider everything that went into it with putting it together in such short notice. Their main misses in that 2016 recruiting class looking back are JUCOs, which I think are forgivable because they were trying to bring in junior college prospects at a few key positions, tight end, defensive line, and offensive line, to plug holes in year one. Now, most of those guys seem to be kind of misses. Cliff Fernandez at tight end, Justin Stewart at defensive end, and then Carson Green and Oge Udigu on the offensive line. None of them necessarily panned out, but they were all guys that I would see was just trying to take to fill a hole, and it didn't work, and they moved on. But while they had a couple Juco misses, most other places they really kind of had some massive hits. David Montgomery, a three-year player who's going to the NFL early, back-to-back 1,000-yard rusher. Jaquan Bailey is going to go into a senior year this fall already holding or being tied for Iowa State's career sacks record and could demolish that record by the end of a senior season if he stays healthy. DeSante Jones is going to be kind of that, not a four-year starter, but kind of that guy that was just a piece of the offense all four years of his career. And then you look at guys who are now stepping into maybe bigger roles as upperclassmen, Kane Nwangu, Enyiwazrike, Chase Allen, Jamal Johnson. Those guys are all starting to hit their stride as they go into their junior or senior years in the case of Jamal Johnson. So I think when you look back on it, there's, there's a mix of a couple misses, but for the most part, you have a couple stars in that class, and then you have some players who are now hitting their strides with you know two years of eligibility remaining. So I think when you look back on that class, it's been a key class in terms of those are some of the key cogs of this 2019 roster and even of the 2018 roster. And I think it's, it's a class that when they look back upon it and those guys are all graduated, there's going to be a lot of production from that group. So a really good question, and um, that will do it for this edition of the Cyclone Scoop. I think that's the perfect way to round this out. So I've covered a lot of topics. I've rambled on a lot longer than I thought this was going to go, but I did get a lot of questions. So thanks for joining this edition of the Cyclone Scoop. I'll wrap it up there. We'll have a lot of recruiting talk to come in April, May, June, and July. That's going to be busy for me, and I think I will hopefully have a lot of information and stories for you as well. But We'll wrap it up here. The next edition of the Cyclone Scoop will be coming out shortly, and that one is going to wrap up Iowa State's spring ball. Their 15 practices are almost done, and so we'll wrap that up on the next edition of the Cyclone Scoop. But until then, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.